Welcome to the Smut and Spice podcast, where we're living vicariously through the female main characters in reverse harems, dark romances, paranormal romances, and bully romances. We're your hosts, Sam and Ashley. In this week's episode, we'll be discussing the warm and fuzzy works of Willow Hadley. Her series includes Smile Like You Mean It, Cricket Kendall, and her most recent release of Moons and Monsters. Be warned, this episode may contain spoilers and explicit content that is inappropriate for those under 18. This show is not for children. So this episode is going to be a little bit different from our previous episodes because we're not just focusing on one book or one series. We're just kind of doing an overview of all Willow Hadley works so far that we've read because we wanted to do an episode that really focused on warm and fuzzy books which is exactly how we would describe all of the books that Willow has written. And I'm pretty sure that Willow has said herself that she doesn't know how to write something that doesn't make you feel good. Which is so nice. It creates, I call them brain break books. Because when my brain needs a break from all of the dark romance and the torture that I put myself through (laughs) with some of the series (laughs) that I choose to read, I just need that, like, breath of fresh air where I'm like all of these characters love one another they're all gonna treat each other really well and I'm guaranteed a happy ending because I know Willow wouldn't do that to me and in my opinion these books and characters are cavity inducingly sweet and sometimes you want to fantasize about men that are perfect in each and every way which I mean for most of us that's not a reality (laughs) I just It is just so much serotonin. Sometimes my brain just needs the serotonin from these nice books. Give me all the serotonin. So we're going to be covering uh, four of her books in this episode. We're going to be looking at Smile Like You Mean It, um, two of the books in the Cricket Kendall series, and her latest release of Moons and Monsters. So you might be asking yourself, since we're covering three different series, What do all Willow Hadley books have in common? Why did we want to just group all of these together into one episode? So, all Willow Hadley books are reverse harem, at least everything that she's released that we have read so far. Um, They all include sweet guys in the harem who always treat the female main character with respect and reverence. They have a strong female main character with a distinct personality And she always provides multiple POVs, which I really appreciate. I always love a reverse harem where I get a peek inside the guy's brains and what they're thinking. Yeah, multiple POVs is one of my favorite things. And I feel like it's something that's fairly unique to reverse harems is you get that full picture. And, of course, I have cried at every single book I've read from her. Uh, Not because they're, like, sad, but because I just connect emotionally with the main characters. And Ashley has cried at none of them. So we keep it consistent here. Because I am a cold, heartless bitch. (laughs) I, as we've established, I am the crybaby of this podcast. (laughs) The crybaby, but also the intellect. Sam is the brains behind this operation. (laughs) stuff you have plenty of brains to contribute as well (laughs) i'm just along for the ride i i just can't even explain why i cry at every single one of these but willow just has 
a way of writing that allows you to emotionally connect with the character in a way that you feel what they're feeling. And that empathy allows me to just have an emotional breakdown sometimes. (laughs) And I am a person who cries very easily, who cries at everything. My husband will make fun of me for it constantly. (laughs) But when I am like emotionally connecting with a character, if they're going through something that has them feeling really powerful and strong emotions, I tend to mirror those emotions as I'm reading. Well, yeah, and I feel like Willow does a really good job of, you know, writing empathetic characters that are conscious of the feelings of not just the female main character, but also the other harem members. And I feel like that's very unique to, you know, this genre as well. You don't see that frequently. You know, there's often strong ties within the harem, but I, I don't know. I feel like the a lot of her characters are just very conscious of the feelings of everyone in the, the the family. I would also say that Willow does a great job of writing the internal monologue of the character in a way that makes it very clear to you how that character is reacting and feeling in every situation. So because you have such a clear idea of their internal monologue and how they're reacting to each situation, it allows you to relate to them in a much stronger way. And that really goes into her writing of such strong main characters. There is no main character that she has written that isn't individual and different from her other main characters. Because of the fact that she goes out of her way to make sure that each character is individually defined and has their own personal uh what am I trying to say they have their own voice that's what I wanted to say they have their own distinct voice I do not muddle up her main characters as I'm reading they all have very distinct personalities to me Charlotte is very different from Cricket who's very different from Isla they are all very individual and you don't always get that with every author they're There are certain authors who tend to rewrite the same female main character in every book that they approach. That's not the case with Willow's writing. Yeah, and I love all of her female main characters. I don't think I could pick one that's my favorite, but I I love all of them. All right, Ash, you ready to jump into the first book? Yeah, so the first book that we're going to be talking about by Willow is Smile Like You Mean It. And I love the killer's reference in the book title. I mean, I'm hoping that's where this is from. I'm not really sure what else it would be from. Um, So we're just going to start out with a brief summary. Charlotte, who is the female main character, is a troubled teen that finds herself in juvie after yet another altercation at a group home. Her caseworker, Anne, manages to track down her uncle, Arthur, her father's estranged brother, after Charlotte had told Anne that she didn't have family. Uh, Arthur happily takes her into his care and introduces her to his adopted stepson, Sebastian. And Sebastian has his friends Elliot, Remy, Liam, and Grayson. The boys help her to overcome some of her anxiety, and she learns that she and the boys may have more in common than she initially thought. Um, And I just want to be clear, I'm kind of leaving things a little bit vague in this summary. If you haven't read these books, I definitely encourage you to read them especially after you read something that might be, you know, emotionally tumultuous and you just kind of need a break. These are great books that are just going to make you feel good. Um, So, yes, if you've never read this, make sure you pick it up and give it a try. 
So we would just kind of, like Ashley said, we're keeping the summaries vague, but we did want to go into detail about, like, specifically what did we love about this book. So these books in general, um, Smile Like You Mean It, does not have any smut in it. And something that I appreciated about the lack of smut, which you wouldn't really anticipate me saying, considering I have an entire podcast about my appreciation for smut in books. <laughs> We're literally the smut and spice podcast. <laughs> But it allows you to focus on and appreciate the small intimacies between the characters. Like, it takes you back to when you were in middle school and high school and, like, holding someone's hand or touching their arm was, like, such a huge deal to you. So it puts you back in that space of, wow, like, that small amount of touch meant a huge amount to that character. Yeah, and, you know, that's something important to remember when you're picking up this book these characters are like 16 17 years old so you might feel a little weird reading a book with main characters that are that age um and I promise you it's not weird at all and I know that we've all read a lot of those like high school reverse harem novels but this is like a clean version where you're just going to feel good and to talk about Sam's point about you know feeling excited about just being near someone that you have a crush on for the first time um or you know when you're at a group outing and someone decides to sit next to you instead of sitting next to somebody else like oh it just takes me back to those days and I think it's so cute it is really cute and something that I really love throughout the story is that there are so many supportive adults that kind of come through to support Charlotte as she's going through a difficult transitional time and I feel like good adult characters are not something that we get a lot in reverse harems especially when that reverse harem is focused on a group of teens quite often because it's focused around a group of teens either the adults fall by the wayside or like we saw in Havoc the parental figures are all terrible people so the fact that we get uh, Charlotte's uncle Arthur who is such a wonderful guy and then we get uh, Grayson's two moms which like who go out of their way to to provide that like we female love the representation <laughs> yeah they go and they uh, help Charlotte shop for outfits and get her hair done and get her nails done and like help her feel better about herself and the way that she looks and then we get Charlotte's caseworker who is like giving her books and is checking in with her and making sure that like everything's okay with her placement. And it's like finally we get a world of adults that genuinely care about the children in their care and are looking out for the characters like that in itself made me feel so much better. Yeah, and I'm sure that people are going to listen to this and say, well, you know, it doesn't really sound like there's a lot going on with the plot. But I'm telling you, the relaxed pacing of the book and the fact that, you know, it's not full of conflict. There's slight moments of conflict, but it's nothing that the characters can't overcome. And there's just something so comforting and, and relaxing about that for me. And, you know, I honestly wish that there were more adult reverse harems that went with this kind of feel like a, a more cozy feel I guess cozy adult reverse harems me too I wish I I know that it doesn't really lend itself to like the ultra dramatic plot lines 
But it's so nice to just kind of be able to sit back and know that regardless of what happens, the characters are going to be okay. You can get emotionally invested without worrying that your favorite character is going to die and that you can just enjoy the relationships developing and the characters learning each other without a bunch of extraneous drama. Yeah, I mean, when I think about the Havoc episode, we had pages and pages of notes and like extensive stuff to cover about the plot where I feel like there were parts where we maybe left out things that were somewhat important, like looking back on it. And that's just, you're not going to have that with this book and with, you know, Willow's series. Something else that I liked a lot about this is that the formation of the harem itself feels very authentic. Because when you think about the fact that there are, there's this teenage girl and there's these five teenage boys and these five teenage boys all have a crush on this girl and you when you're a teenager especially your mind is not going to automatically go to well we can all share the same girl so they go through that like kind of um it is a conflict but it's not a huge conflict because these boys value their friendship over everything else so they're trying to figure out a way where they can still maintain this friendship and possible attraction that they're developing with Charlotte, but also make sure that their friendship stays strong. So then you get the characters like Grayson who are starting to figure out that, hey, Charlotte seems like she's attracted to all of us. Maybe we should be more open to the fact that we could create a relationship where all of us get to share Charlotte. And that conversation doesn't happen at, right at the beginning like you might see in other reverse harems where they want to just establish the harem immediately. These things happen over time and they develop and there's a little bit of conflict where the boys are trying to figure out what's going on and it just feels like exactly how a situation like this in high school would develop. Yeah, it was done really, really well. And I think that it was great too how the boys acknowledge that, you know, Charlotte seems interested in all of them and they want to try to make this work for her. So I really loved that. It really plays into the found family trope, which is, uh, I love that trope so much in literature in general, especially young adult literature like Six of Crows, where it's just these, this group of children who are supporting each other. But instead of just being a group of kids, we also get the support of adults in this book as well. And it really feels like Charlotte has found her family and has found the people who will support her no matter what. And after all the trauma that she has been through, it really feels like a story of healing, which is so nice. It's You see her evolving as a character and feeling more comfortable and starting to heal from all of the awful things that have happened. And then as she's healing, you see the guys also start healing because Charlotte isn't the only one with trauma in this story. All five of the boys have been through something that has damaged them emotionally. So the connection that they're building with Charlotte has allowed them to start healing themselves as well as help Charlotte heal emotionally too. Yeah, and I feel like the boys for the most part had started on that road. Um, so they had the skills to give to Charlotte, you know, to kind of help her cope and get through these difficult feelings and situations. Um, and it's just, oh, I'm going to say it so many times, but it's freaking adorable. <laughs> 
It's going to be your word throughout my, this podcast. My word of the podcast is like adorable, loving, amazing. Because <laughs> that's just how all of her books make me feel. Charlotte has a love for the library, which speaks to something deep inside my soul. Because I also have a huge love for the library. And when I was in middle school and high school, I would spend summers biking to and from the library which happened to be within walking distance to my house and getting stacks of books and going home and reading them in a week and then returning them to the library and the fact that Charlotte spends so long browsing and then the guys are betting on how many books she's going to check out I loved that scene with everything in my heart and they're so patient and tolerant I, I can't Imagine being in high school and having a group of teenage boys accompany me to the library. <laughs> I mean, there's just these guys. She could not have found herself a better harem. <laughs> so the guys all belong to this gym, which they use to help deal with some of the anger that they have. And then some of them don't really have anger, but they use it to, you know, just keep in shape. And the boxing instructor or just in general an instructor at the gym his name is Adrian and they introduce her to Adrian because Charlotte does want to learn how to fight and Adrian kind of takes that a little bit too far with like his initiation of her into the gym where he's like you have to fight me in order to learn how to do this and then it kind of pops off into Charlotte feeling really embarrassed and in a emotionally vulnerable place and something I love that happens in the story is that Adrian tracks her down after she kind of walks away and genuinely apologizes and realizes that he did something wrong in that situation. And something that I have seen in real life is that adults have a very difficult time apologizing to children or to teens for their behavior because they feel like it puts them in a vulnerable position where they might not be looked at as an authority figure but there is something so wonderful about an, an adult who will recognize that they did something wrong and approach uh, someone who's younger than them, like a child or a teen, and say, you know what? That was not the right thing for me to do. I took that too far. I'm really sorry about how that went. And I love that we see that in this book because it's rare in real life and it's even rarer in literature. So I love seeing that Adrian's character took that step with Charlotte. And I'm not trying to stereotype, but I feel like it's even more, I guess, out of character for someone who, you know, is sort of a, a macho type of character to be apologizing like that, especially to, you know, a, a girl. Um, so I think it was really great how Willow included that scene in the book. And Adrian's just a great guy to sh both Charlotte and the boys and, um, I think that was a very well-written scene. So just some things that you should know. Um, there is no smut in this book. The reverse harem dynamic is still developing. I'm not sure. Obviously, we'll talk to Willow about her release schedule when we get to interview her next week. But I'm not sure when she's planning on coming out with the next book. But the by the end of this book, the reverse harem hadn't been completely set up. Um, and there is discussion of past uh, sexual and physical abuse in Charlotte's backstory. So just to pre-warn you for that, if that is a trigger. But it's a great book. We would definitely recommend it. 
I I did my reread of it for the podcast today, and it was just so nice getting to spend additional time with these characters and reminding myself of how much I love Charlotte and how the story played out and just emotionally connecting with this group of characters again. All right, moving on to the next series that we want to talk about is the Cricket Kendall series, which currently has two books in it. The first book is Cricket, and the second book is Wildflower. The Cricket Kendall series is a paranormal reverse harem. The first book, uh, to give you a broad general summary, Cricket Kendall is a witch who recently moved from Florida to Colorado to live with her aunt. She is introduced to three werewolves, Theo, Hollis, and Cass, who are all best friends and pack mates. She feels drawn to all of them and quickly develops strong friendships with each of them. Her aunt has seen each of them being heavily involved in her future with a possibility of a mating bond. Cricket is dealing with her development as a witch and her feelings for all three werewolves throughout the story. So, Ash, what do you love about this book? Cricket is an amazing female main character. I'm just trying to think back to, like, if there's any other female main characters that kind of compare to her in any way, and I'm not really getting any that come to mind. Um, It's no secret that I love a paranormal romance, and I am a huge fan of shifters, especially, like, werewolf shifters and pack dynamics and, like, you know, Omegaverse and that whole thing. So I feel like this book was written for me. (laughs) (laughs) she wrote it with you in mind yes the first time I read this book I texted Sam and I was like Sam you need to read this book there's no smut in it yet but it's amazing and I I still think that that's true there in this in this genre there's just nothing else like this there's nothing else like what Willow is putting out she has really cornered the market on really sweet uh, paranormal reverse harems. I don't think there's anyone else who's doing something like that. No, I mean, her name is really the only name that comes up when you're in a Facebook group and someone's looking for something a little different because not everybody likes to read dark bully romance all the time. I mean, it gets to be overdone. It so, does. Your, your brain needs a break from it sometimes. Kudos to you, Willow. And also, I love Willow's name. Willow Hadley is such an amazing name. <laughs> it's Yeah, it is. It's got the perfect so, flow. All of the guys in the harem have very distinct personalities, and they bring something different to their relationship with Cricket. So Hollis is very shy and sweet. He reads a lot. He's uh, much more of the academic type. Theo is very personable and funny. He's the alpha of their pack. And he's like the kid who knows every single person's name in their high school. And he's always friendly with everyone. He can get along with anyone who comes his way. And then Cass is not very friendly. (laughs) (laughs) He is more the broody asshole type. But he pays attention to all of the little details. And because of that, he connects with Cricket very quickly on a much deeper level. And he has no problem speaking his mind, which comes in handy when you just need someone who's going to be real and honest with you in the moment. And that's what I love about this harem. Although it's small, I like that it's a very diverse group of guys. 
you know, it's only three people, but you get three completely different personalities and you just love all three of them. Absolutely. They all they all have very different relationships with Cricket individually and then them as a group just works very well together. But all of the boys are like in any uh, Willow Hadley series are really wonderful and supportive. They care very deeply, not only for Cricket, but for their friendship. So if, for example, Cass is being a little bit of an asshole, <laughs> they they can tell him to knock it off and sometimes punch him about it. And it's not going to be like the end of their friendship. They can work together to protect Cricket and work through any issues that come up while still preserving the really strong friendship that they already had. Something I have noticed about pretty much every Willow reverse harem that I've read is that the guys in her harems had pre-existing friendships that were really strong before the female main character comes into the picture in every single one. And I think that really works to the advantage of uh, the female main character because they are much more willing to rely on each other in that friendship as they're developing the harem as opposed to like a story that I'm reading now where the individual guys were not really that close and because of that it becomes much more difficult to get them to get along and it provides additional conflict so this kind of takes that conflict out of the equation because they were already basically brothers with one another to begin with yeah and I love that fact and it's just such an easy natural transition for them um I'm just when you need a, a break from the conflict, <laughs> her books are going to be the books for you. I do also really enjoy the magic system and the paranormal world that Willow has developed with this story. And she doesn't reveal everything at once. Like it's not uh, pages and pages of exposition to introduce you to the world. Instead, you're kind of being introduced to this magic system in the world along with the different characters. Because Willow doesn't know, not Willow. It's Cricket. I, I get that it again. I confused that all the time, like initially when I first started reading this book. Cricket doesn't know anything about werewolves before she meets Hollis, Theo, and Cass. She doesn't even know they exist. So her learning about that allows us as the reader to learn about it with her. And then Hollis, Theo, and Cass don't know anything about witches. So in turn, you get to learn about each of these paranormal creatures. Uh, in Willow's world that she's built through without the pages and pages of boring exposition that everyone skims over anyway. And uh, I hate books that are like that. I'm looking at you, A Deadly Education. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this was just a nice, easy, you know, paranormal reverse harem read for me. And I love that, you know, the characters are still, I mean, the werewolves, you know, the boys are kind of aware of how things are for them. But with Cricket, I mean, her, she's just coming into her powers. So I like that you're learning about her gifts as she is. I think that that was a really nice concept and the whole like, you know, witch coming of age type of thing is also very cool and unique. So another thing I love is that Cricket isn't really just restricted to friendships within the harem, which is something that I find happens a lot in reverse harem since there's so much relationship building going on within the harem 
there isn't a lot of outside friendships that are allowed to develop, but Crickets already starts building friendships with Brennan and Aaron at school, and it's so nice to see her branching out and making friends because in real life, you need that outside support system outside of your relationship. Your significant other or multiple partners can't be the only people in your life. That's not a healthy way to live your life. And that's so I, how... Go ahead. And I feel like that's how most reverse harems are. It's just they're so heavily invested in their relationship and their multiple partners that they can't establish relationships, you know, friendly relationships outside of the harem. And it drives me insane because you need to have that. And I mean, I guess Hannaford Prep is good in that sense that, you know, Lips has Avery, even though like I kind of consider her like a member of the harem, even though she's not like... (laughs) I don't think Avery would appreciate that. (laughs) Well, you know what I'm like? She's like part of the family. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Lips also has her friends from her past. Like, is it Illy? Illy. Yeah. (laughs) Like Luca and Illy and has all these connections and like people that she knows. But that's, yeah. Willow writes strong female main characters that can have friends outside of their relationship and i think that too often in traditional reverse harems it's like oh we were just so busy getting to know each other and fucking that we didn't have time to have any actual friends which in reality is not a thing i think that's a nice part about the lack of additional conflict in these books is that it does leave time for cricket to develop those additional friendships and for willow to give time for cricket to have those additional conversations and have some time away from the guys because it does get really repetitive and really boring when the female main character only ever interacts with the harem it's like conflict sex scene conflict sex scene (laughs) that's that's the uh formula for most of the reverse harems we read insert Blake Bowman character here (laughs) we'll be bringing that full circle yeah when we (laughs) when we discuss our uh, favorite harem members but Ashley and I earlier were talking about how every harem has a member that is the Blake Bowman character if you've read the brutal boys of Everlake prep you know who we're referring to but every single harem we've ever read has a specific character that takes on the role of the Blake Bowman character. So we were identifying those. The lovable idiot. <laughs> oh, goodness. And usually that's Ashley's least favorite character. But in c- certain cases, it can be your most favorite character. You know, it goes right along with the fact that I never cry. <laughs> I hate to say it, though, but I feel like I am married to the lovable idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying that, like, my husband's an idiot because he's a smart guy, but, like, he makes me laugh all the time. So that would probably be one of his best attributes. (laughs) You married the Blake Bowman character. Yeah, I did. (laughs) Uh, Adding on to how big of a nerd I am uh, and how big of a nerd Willow is, which is why we love her so much. The fact that Cricket is a huge Harry Potter fan and reads fan fiction and talks about who she ships in Harry Potter. And then also uh, Brennan and Aaron talk about being Germione stands. I was like, fuck yes, this was made for me. 
So if you guys don't know, Sam is a huge Dramine fanfic reader, so if you have any good ones, send them to us, but I guarantee she's probably already read it. More so, than likely. Like if you're looking to some like if you're looking for someone to talk to who also reads Dramine fan fiction, I'm sure that Sam would have a lot to discuss with you, so please reach out to her. Oh, I have a lot of opinions. Also, I am on Dramine TikTok, which is a thing. There's a whole Dramine fan fiction community on TikTok. Dramine talk. Yes. And it is wonderful, although they all recommend like the same five fan fictions that everyone's read. So I need everyone to branch out a little bit. But some of my favorite fan fiction writers are also on Dramione TikTok, including Senlin Yu, who wrote my favorite fan fiction of all time. So that I appreciate a lot. Are you going to say the name of the fan fiction? Oh, yeah. Everyone knows <laughs> that if you read Dramione, Manacled by Senlin Yu. It's literally longer. <laughs> if you put it in like pages of a book, it would be longer than like any book I've read this entire year. It's it's such like an epic story and it's very dark, but it's so emotionally draining and such great storytelling. Like Senlin Yu needs to be a writer full time as her career. Like she's so talented. And, you know, if you decide to read that particular Dramine fanfic, go ahead and refresh yourself with one of Willow Hadley's feel good books. Oh, you'll definitely need it once you finish Manacles. <laughs> I mean, just the name of it, like, you know, it kind of kind of lends to what what the book is, what the fanfic is going to be like. Oh, it's it's so the story itself. Um, n- now I'm going on a complete tangent, but I feel <laughs> this like this is what to Sam does all day long. <laughs> I won't I won't divulge too much information but in her career <laughs> uh tangents are my life but it starts off with uh Hermione being pulled out of confinement and imprisonment where she was placed after they lost the wizarding war and she is given to Draco um to look after as like a slave basically like it's uh what is that show oh god the show that has like all of the women who are wearing red and they're being the handmaid's used. tale yes so it's very similar to the handmaid's tale where all of the survivors of the war have you watched on, that sam i haven't but i need to uh, all right we're gonna watch that put that on the list for us to watch so sh- they're all being used as like breeders basically and so she's given into the care of Draco and then it she's we get several chapters from her point of view throughout this horrible ordeal and then it flashes back so then we get a bunch of flashbacks of like during wartime and then it flashes forward again and like the whole thing is just a gigantic beautiful piece of literature and it's so well written is there any redemption for Draco or oh girl it's it's such beautiful I storytelling. I know you've told me to read this, but, you know, with all the, you know, Just, lack of time that I have. Oh, I know. this. The, it's going to be an investment for you. I, I have to put it off. Uh, but, yes, read Manacled by Senlin Yu. If you read Manacled, you're also going to want to read The Right Thing to Do and The Auction by Love's Bitka 8. And I'm trying to think. Oh, and... um. 
currently reading Bring Him to His Knees by Music, which is an in, uh, in progress fan fiction. Also fantastic. How about we include the links to these episodes to the RSS feed? Can you do that? Oh, links, yeah. I can put it in the episode description. These, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, I'll, I'll provide all the AO3 links for all of these wonderful fan fictions. Yes. We love but to yes. support budding authors. Um, that's a weird word (laughs) but things you should know about cricket it is a slow paced book the entire book takes place over the time frame of about like two to three weeks it's a it's a lot happening in a very small amount of time and it's a much slower pace than what you would typically find and there isn't any smut um like of any kind in the first book the most that happens is that they kiss so again very light on the smut. But I wanted to say, as someone who is not a fan of the slow burn or the long game, I had no issues with the pacing of this book. I thought that the content was enough to keep me engaged. And the fact that there is no smut doesn't take anything away from the story or, you know, the way that the relationships are being built and the way that the harem is, you know, kind of coming together. Um, so it's not like what we usually read, but that doesn't mean it's something that you're not going to enjoy. So give Cricket a chance. So the second book after Cricket is called Wildflower, and Ashley hasn't read that yet, so I'm going to kind of take over here in terms of the summary and my discussion of it. Uh, in Wildflower, Cricket and the guys finally start to come to terms with the fact that Cricket cares for all of them, and they begin to explore the idea of all of them dating, regardless of what the future might hold for them as mates. Cricket also explores her friendships outside of the harem more throughout this book and gets more insight into the changes that are taking place with her powers. As Cricket approaches the age of 18, um, her powers are getting stronger and stronger, and things are happening that she wasn't really expecting. So we are slowly creeping towards the actual day of her birthday. That's when, like, everything's going to be revealed, basically. And this whole book, this 550-page book, takes place over, like, a week and a half. (laughs) So uh, Willow really slowed down the pace with this one even more. And I'm just, like, I love Willow so much, but by the end I was like, I just want it to be Cricket's birthday so I can know everything. And I, re- I specifically remember you texting me and being like, you don't find out. It doesn't get to her birthday. Because <laughs> we had been, we were like waiting for this moment. And the buildup is so intense. And then you just got to wait for the next book. I, I just am so invested in these characters and how much they love Willow. And I wanted to how like, much get they to love the Cricket. point. Oh my god! Let me retake that so I can just cut that out. I'm I just... think you should leave it. The authenticity. <laughs> oh my gosh! This is why I... people listen to us, Sam. We're authentic. <laughs> One take, baby. <laughs> oh my goodness! I love these boys so much, and how much they love cricket and how much they are invested in her and their future together and i just want it to be said what is going to happen like i just want that birthday to come her to turn 18 and like all of the answers to be there 
And honestly, just this whole concept is fantastic to me. The fact that Cricket is a witch and she's potentially going to be mated to three shifters in a world where, like, the whole paranormal aspect is still kind of unknown. It's just, it's so cool. And I love the way that she's written it. And I haven't read Wildflower, but I'm excited to. And yeah, she just, uh, she writes some great stuff. Uh, some great moments from this book. One, all of the guys take uh, Cricket out on individual dates. So they all get to kind of show their personalities and spend their own individual time with her. And I love that. I love that they are getting those moments to themselves, but also spending time together as a harem. And again, we get great adults. Willow does a great job of writing adults that are really supportive. So all of the guys' individual families are so wonderful. And like the moms are competing over who loves Cricket the most and who <laughs> Cricket wants to spend the most time with. And I just love it so much. I love the adults in these stories. And I want to ask her um, at the interview if, you know, because I always ask, are these based off of actual adults that you've known in your life or just what she thinks adults should be? Because, you know, hearing about this as a parent, that's what I want to strive to be for Emmy mm -hmm. is supportive. And, you know, when she has boyfriends, I mean, I don't want to be like Lorelai from Gilmore Girls and be like meddlesome in my kids' relationships, but... <laughs> <laughs> I have some serious thoughts on Gilmore Girls, guys. So do I. <laughs> we should do that could Gilmore be a whole other Girls. tangent. We probably shouldn't go down that road. We'll maybe do an episode on that in the future if you guys are interested in the Gilmore Girls. Um, but she just writes outstanding adults, and I think that, you know, as our listeners should hopefully all be 18, as we're getting older, strive to be that in your adulthood. Something else that I think Willow does a great job of is never pitting girls against girls and always striving to have women supporting other women throughout all of her books. Especially in the Cricket books, with how Cricket is described, it would be so easy for her to become one of those, like, I'm not like other girls' characters. And at one point, Cass says something along the lines of, like, I'm so glad you're not like all those other girls who don't eat anything. And Cricket, like, shuts him down immediately. And I love that. I love that she doesn't want to put down other girls to make herself feel better. Yeah, and I love when a girl can dish out, like, a sick burn at a guy, too. <laughs> Like, no, you don't speak like that in front of me and about women in general. Please don't. I think it's just a great lesson in general. Like, you don't have to put other women down in order to feel good about yourself. Yeah. You should feel confident enough in yourself that you know that all women have the ability to succeed. You're not in competition with each other. Yes, we're very pro-women on this podcast, and we are about women empowering other women, and even though our last episode might have seemed pretty negative, um, we're just, you know, supportive people. But with this book, uh, we get the introduction of Mildred as a character, and Mildred in the beginning starts to, like, develop a crush on Cass. And she's like, I don't like Cricket. Cricket is taking advantage of Cass. And 
she's also flirting with his two friends. But then we get Mildred's POV and she finally gets to meet Crooked and is like, oh, I was completely wrong about her. And I see how well they all fit together. And the fact that Mildred can like check herself and check her jealousy and be like, hey, I don't want to be that person. I was wrong in this situation is wonderful. It's wonderful to see that character growth. We met Mildred like in the first book because I remember her. Did we? Yeah. Doesn't she like also work at the aunt's place? Or she like comes in there or something. Like, she doesn't I get that job name. until book two. I think she's introduced for the first time in book two. I think oh, you're I thinking of Paisley. I mean, I didn't read book two, but I feel like I know her. I don't know. I, I could be confused. Maybe I'm thinking of Paisley. I don't know. <laughs> Paisley is a bad example of women supporting women. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't uh, know. Maybe something I'm else. confused. <laughs> Something else that happens that I love is that uh, Cass realizes that um, (laughs) Cricket really likes this series. So he asks Mildred about it and is like describing it to her. Wait, Sam, hold on. What? So this series that we're about to discuss, we better not get any hate for liking this series. People are allowed to hate on us. I don't want to hear anybody hating on this series because it is a good series and it is a smutty series and it is some of the best fantasy ever written. That's and not I, true. <laughs> I you think are... it is. No, it's not. <laughs> I think it is. I think. What? You know what, Sam? My opinion of you just went way down. You, you need to be a lot more objective about Sarah J. Moss's writing. I I enjoy Akatar for what it is. I do not think that it's like one of the best written series ever. But I think, I think it's, it's a- one of the best series of all time. For uh, me, it definitely okay. is. You can absolutely have that opinion. <laughs> I love Akatar and I love Sarah J. Moss. I have mixed feelings about Sarah J. Moss. I enjoyed reading Akatar. I do not think it was one of the best fantasy series ever written. I think it was. I loved it. <laughs> if you also loved it, I know that Willow loved it. I enjoyed the series. I just don't think we need to be that defensive over it. Because yeah, there I is... mean, this is like a polarizing series. Like, people are like, oh, I hated that. I hate Sarah J. Maas. And that's fine. People are allowed to dislike the things they dislike. I... I am much of the opinion of I can like the things I want to like. I don't feel the need to defend it to anyone. You're allowed to dislike the things that I like. That's perfectly okay. No, I think it's good and everyone should like it. It's not like another series that we've talked about, which has been winning awards left and right. And I'm like, did you even read the book? I... I think that there are some very valid critiques of Akatar and Sarah J. Moss as a writer. And I think that we, as readers, have to be open to being critical, even to the things that we really enjoy. For example, I grew up loving Harry Potter. I still love Harry Potter. Can I look at that series critically and say, there are some things that I would change. There are some really fucked up things in this book. 
absolutely like can is I there look... even a real magic system like in harry potter like exactly so i can look at things critically even though i love this series and i grew up on the series you should be able to do the same thing for akatar and realize that there are some shitty things that happen in that book and especially when we talk about the last book in the series whatever that was called i can't remember all the names was that wings and ruin that needed some serious editing <laughs> not everything was perfect in the series well i mean the most recent book was a court of silver flames no i'm talking about the last one in the trilogy ah uh. but also silver flames could have used some editing too it was still really good though why are you so defensive over this? Do you have a financial investment in Akatar that I don't know about? <laughs> no, I don't. And as has previously been discussed, we make no profits off of this podcast. I saw one review where it was like, Moore is the worst buy rep of all time. And I was like, yes, she is. That's valid. <laughs> that. That is terrible by representation. A girl who has been stringing along the same guy for 500 years instead of just saying, hey, I'm not interested in you, and is using that as a shield while she's only attracted to women apparently now, but then also slept with Cassian to I mean, yes, fuck they're, over they're, everyone else. Every series has things that are problematic, Sam. <laughs> That's my point. You're proving my point. That's and I'm not just saying, face in forever. <laughs> What uh, I'm saying is that I, love I like no other. I still really enjoy reading that series. I will still reread A Court of Mist and Fury as like a comfort read when I want to. But I can also look at it critically and say, does this writing need some work? Absolutely. Should every character be described as growling when they're having sex? Maybe not. <laughs> does every time they does every have sex does the house need to need have to shake? wings? Does Sarah J. Moss have a wing kink? Yes. I really want you to read. I really want you to read House of Earth and Blood because I'm <laughs> so curious. I'm so curious. Anyway, anyway, another tangent. <laughs> we are bringing some quality content today. Also, you can tell that Sam is stressing me because I'm fidgeting, so she's gonna have to clean up my audio. Oh, can't wait. Note that, <laughs> note that she did this to herself. <laughs> Let it be known. Anyway, so Cass asks Mildred about this book, and Mildred tells him that it's Akatar. So Cass goes to the bookstore that uh, Cricket's aunt owns and is picking up Akatar and is trying to do it secretly. But then the other two guys figure out what he's doing and they're like, no, we're all going to read it together so that we can all read the books that Cricket loves. So then they're all reading this series to impress Cricket. And I think that is the cutest shit I've ever seen in my life. Right. I mean, we're like heavily invested in reading and Chris probably has not read a book since high school. Literally my husband. He'll only listen to audiobooks. Yeah, Chris, I mean, nah, he has listened to some audiobooks, like the Willie Nelson autobiography and, like, the Ron Swan, or Nick Offerman one. I don't know. It was, like, just totally different tastes. Yes. Um, but, yes, I would 
Gosh, if I was with someone that like read the books that I liked or like took an interest in the thing. I mean, my husband like takes an interest in the things that I like. Hence why I have an Akatar shirt. <laughs> but, oh, adorable. Just hard eyes with these boys. They're just so cute. I, another thing that I loved about this is that she goes on a sleepover with uh, Brennan and Aaron and in the sleepover Brennan is starting to put together that like something strange is going on with Cricket and with the guys and Brennan is convinced that they are all superheroes (laughs) they all have superpowers and they're superheroes like that's where his brain went and I love that so much so like Cricket is like considering telling them a little bit about whatever is going on but I just love that they pay attention enough and that their friendship is strong enough with Cricket where they could start figuring out, like, something is not quite right here. There's a scene when Theo is having, like, a really rough time with dealing with the fact that Cricket is developing feelings for Cass, even though he wants that to happen. He's terrified that he- she's going to like Cass more than him. So he's, like, acting like an asshole the entire day. And... Cricket, like, confronts him in the hallway, and they get into, like, a verbal fight over, like, how Theo's been acting, and it's right before a full moon, and they start, like, getting into, like, almost a physical altercation, and he, like, shoves her up against the locker, and he ends up biting her neck in a way that would actually mark her if they were mated, so that turns into her being incredibly upset and angry with him, and it is such an emotional moment between them and it ends up like breaking down all of these barriers that have been going on where they've been keeping secrets from each other about the mating bond and the boys haven't really been communicating with one another so like this big blow-up scene where they had this like blowout in the hallway finally leads to them communicating with one another about everything that's been going on in the background. Wow, that scene sounds so intense. And as someone who loves shifters and, like, you know, mate bonds and bite marks, like, oh, sounds like a very hot moment, too. <laughs> In a it series was. that's not, not yet smutty. So in this book, it gets a little bit more smutty, but not, like, anything, like, you would want to see. Because they keep fighting against this alpha order that's been given about the fact that they can't be anything more than friends with her until her 18th birthday. But I mean, they're they're a bunch of horny teenagers. (laughs) Yes. So they're trying to, like, push it and see how far that they can get. And um, since they're finally, like, admitting to the fact that they have these really strong feelings for each other, they're slowly getting towards that moment, which I'm hoping will happen in the next book whenever that comes out. Hopefully, we'll finally get to Cricket's birthday. We're only a few days away at this point after the week and a half of the 550 pages of this book, and the wait is truly driving me insane. So I'm very much looking forward to the next book. All right, and the final book we are talking about in this episode is Of Moons and Monsters, which is another paranormal reverse harem. You want to give us this summary, Ash? Yeah. Isla is a human immersed in a world where paranormal beings exist, her best friend and foster brother, is it pronounced Alistair? Because that's how I say it. Yeah, Alistair. All right, so Alistair convinces her to accompany him to a party in order to make his ex-boyfriend jealous. 
Um, and then from there, things take a turn, and Isla is kidnapped and sent to a land called Bria. She's gifted to four magical shifter brothers that don't speak her language, and I need to stress the fact that although they refer to one another as brothers, they aren't related by blood. Um, I'm someone that gets kind of weirded out when members of the harem are, you know, brothers and blood related. Um, so this was really important to me to kind of distinguish that there is no blood relation between the men in the harem. Um, so although some of the group members are skeptical at first, things work out in the end, but the brothers vow to help her find her foster brother and get her back to her own world. So this book has four harem members, um, which are the four guys that Isla meets in Bria, the land that she's taken to after she's kidnapped. So there's Rule, who is the first one to meet Isla. And he's really loving and caring, and he's very much like the caretaker role. And then there's Malik, or Malik, we're not 100% sure on how that's pronounced. Uh, he's the oldest, and he is the leader of their whole entire group and he is the most resistant to Isla and creating a connection with her because he has a lot of guilt about how she came to them and then has a lot of guilt about how they're bonded to her and there's a lot that he's dealing with on top of the language barrier and he doesn't feel like she really understands what she's getting herself into by being in a relationship with them. And then there's Kalen, who is the Blake Bowman character. Uh, he's very funny. He does all of the cooking. And he has a great way of getting Isla out of her shell and of making her laugh and of, like, putting her at ease. And then there's Auden, who is, like, the quiet, artsy type. He's very cute. He always has a sketchbook. And uh, he's the youngest of the four. And <laughs> this is my spoiler alert for this episode. They all fuck so good. <laughs> this is the smutty book that we finally got from Willow. We were very excited about that. And it is top tier level smut. Just so well written along with a wonderful plot. Like could not ask for a better book. I finished this whole book in one night. I was so invested in it. She did. It, I literally like stayed up till 3 a.m. finishing it. And then I texted Ashley like you have to read this immediately. I loved it. Yeah, it's just the combination of the um, amazing female main character, guys who are fantastic and endearing and understanding and adorable, and I mean, they pretty much cater to her every need. It's just, ugh. And it's paranormal romance, which I love. Just, mwah, chef's kiss. And I see that Ash put on these notes, can we talk about the cover? I just want to say I love all of willow's covers i don't know who her cover artist is but they knock it out of the park every single time of moons and monsters is definitely my favorite cover but the cricket covers are both beautiful like i love the art on these covers yeah they're amazing and i love to see someone who's kind of going in a different direction because i think that we discussed this a little bit in our last episode about how there's kind of this trend in covers that where, you know, everybody is doing the same covers and whoever Willow's cover artist is just kind of does their own thing. And I don't know if it's the same person for Of Moons and Monsters as it is for Cricket and Wildflower, but 
I love that the covers kind of set her books apart from everything else that's out there, especially because her books are so unique, you know, as mm-hmm. it is. So, job well done. Yeah, this is such a beautiful cover, though. That oh, was the first thing gorgeous. that hit me when I saw it. That's why I had to share that on our Instagram, because I was like, this is just so pretty. Uh, something I love so much about this book is that Isla is a human, and she's a human surrounded in both worlds by supernatural beings. So it adds an additional element of understanding that she is constantly surrounded by people who are stronger than her and more powerful than her, but she has found a way to survive and not only survive, but thrive in this world. And she's such a resilient character. After everything that she goes through in the beginning of the book, and she was in foster care prior to this, she hasn't had an easy life. But she's incredibly strong and resilient, no matter what kind of obstacles are thrown at her. And I just love that so much about her character. And that's also what, you know, the male members of the harem love about her as well. Even though there's that language barrier and they don't have a ton of background on her, they know that she's overcome so many things in the short period of time that they've been with her. Um, But she's still able to laugh and smile and have a good time with them and embrace the people of Bria. And it means so much to them. And it's just, it's so adorable. (laughs) The adoration that they have for her is so good. And they pay such close attention to her reactions and her facial expressions because there is that language barrier there. They're so desperate to interpret how she's feeling. And they really find a way to communicate despite the language barrier because they are paying such close attention to her. And I think that just speaks to how much they care about her. Because they are willing to put in that time and effort to understand what she's thinking and feeling. And I've never, I've yet to read any of the um, reverse harem books where a harem member or the female main character is mute. But I would imagine that it's probably very similar to this in the fact that you have to pay more attention to the little intricacies of their personality. And I think that it's such an interesting concept when you kind of go about things this way. So I think that the way that she wrote this story was really unique. There is such strong individual connections that Isla is able to make. Obviously, she starts out with Rule, and she's alone with Rule for like two days before the rest of the guys get there. And so she already has that like strong bond with Rule as he kind of acted as her savior in that role. And then as the other guys are introduced, she's immediately able to connect with them and form those relationships. And it just feels very real. It doesn't feel forced in any way. And I really appreciate and enjoyed seeing her build those relationships across that language barrier. Yeah, I did as well. And I just, I have such a soft spot for all of these guys. They all have such distinct personalities and they're all extremely interesting. And I just, I, I love them. (laughs) (laughs) This book just gave me so many good feelings. Uh, Like we said, there is steam in this book. Uh, Very well written steam. I enjoyed it. Um, And just in general, it's a little bit different from the other books that we reviewed. But for the most part, her formula stays the same. We get a strong harem who really cares deeply about the female main character. 
and we just get wonderful relationship building throughout with a small amount of additional conflict. And again, you might listen to this and think, wow, without conflict, how is the book going to be interesting? But a book can be interesting without this incredibly complex plot. I mean, just watching the characters and their relationships develop, that is interesting enough for me in the way that Willow writes her books. Uh, So final thoughts, we wanted to pick our favorite members from each harem. Uh, For Charlotte's harem, um, I really love Remy. I also really loved Grayson. So it was difficult for me to choose between the two. But I think I would go with Remy because he's just like cute, sweet artist boy. Um, Then for Cricket's harem, it was a toss up for me uh, between Theo and um, Cass. I really love the fact that Cass is fluent in French. (laughs) And he, (laughs) you know, I love myself a broody asshole. So... I ended up going with Theo because I love how emotionally vulnerable Theo is. Um, And then finally, with Isla's harem, rule with that, like, caretaker energy. I love him so much. And I have similar thoughts um, from Charlotte's group of guys. My favorite is Remy. I love that, you know, he's a more emotional and like a deeply developed character and I love his backstory um and I also really love Grayson and I love Sebastian and there's some specific reasons why which I'm not going to give them away until you guys read the book but um there's some things that make it complicated between him and Charlotte and I think that he's just also a really good character so all three of them it's hard for me to pick but I have to go with Remy um in regards to Cricket's harem I also picked Theo because I haven't read Wildflower I guess I felt that Theo is at least for the most part the most developed given that I've only read Cricket um plus I love an alpha so there's that especially hearing about that biting scene in the hallway from Wildflower whoo I feel confident in my pick And then for Isla's harem, I loved Rule from the moment he met Isla. I mean, just he's my favorite, hands down. I don't even have, like, someone that would – I guess Kaylin would come in second, but – I think Auden would be second for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like you like that, like, artsy, like, Mm -hmm. cute, quiet type. Where I, I, I feel weird saying that I like the Blake Bowman is my second choice, but <laughs> <laughs> but I do love Kaylin. And isn't there like a scene where it's like him and Rule are like cuddling her? Yeah, the, yeah. It's, Rule, Kaylin, and Auden are like all in the bed at one point, and like they're all totally fine with like dog piling in the bed with her. <laughs> Which, like, come on. Come on. <laughs> so hot. And, like, rule with the soup. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to read it. You're going to have to see. All right. Just read Willow's books. They're so good for your serotonin and for your brain. We highly recommend. Yeah, take a break from reading books about gangs or killing or... 
Perrier bottles being inserted <laughs> in places. <laughs> and just read some stuff that's going to give you some good feels. And I mean, if Perrier bottles and vaginas gives you good feelings too, like that's totally fine. That's valid. But <laughs> Willow's books are going to make you have feelings on a deeper emotional level. Willow's books are all on Kindle Unlimited, by the way. Yes, which we love Kindle Unlimited. Again, not sponsored. God, I wish. I fucking wish. <sighs> All right. So what are we reading this week? Um, I went on the journey and started the series <laughs> The Ruthless Boys of the Zodiac by Caroline Peckham and Suzanne Valenti. And I got through the first four books of the five book series and I am currently working on that monster of a fifth book, which has like 950 pages, uh, making my way through it slowly. I have loved the series so much. Leon is everything. I like. I realize that he's the Blake Bowman in this series, but he is just such fantastic comedic relief. And then on top of that, he will give Elise everything she needs, regardless of what it might cost him. And I just love him so much. Um, I already know that I'm going to have a major book hangover when I'm done this series. I have no idea what I'm going to read when I'm done. My All of my thoughts are just Ruthless Boys of Zodiac, and that's all. It'll probably just be fan fiction, if I'm being honest with myself, as I try to recover from this book hangover. And I've been so jealous that Sam's reading this right now, because I've loved everything that she's told me about the series. But I am still working on getting through the complete edition of Hannaford Prep because, you know, I also had to do some work for the podcast this week. I'm a mom. I got my second COVID vaccine and felt like I was dying and pretty much slept for a whole day. Um, so shout out to vaccines for protecting us from COVID. Hell yeah <laughs> to being fully vaccinated. Hell Yeah. It's, gonna, it's about to be a hot girl summer because we're fully vaccinated now. God, I can't wait. Um, so I'm loving this slow burn. Wait, which um, so I'm loving Hannaford Prep, but the slow burn is killing me. And the sex scenes remind me of when I was actually in high school. And I talked about this earlier where it's just kind of like the sex scenes are kind of like they're mentioned, but it's like briefly like glazed over. And it's just like, oh, like we like fucked for like two pumps and then it was done um so i'm hoping that picks up a little bit more i wouldn't say i'm disappointed but i mean it's good i'm gonna finish it but i need something spicy so if you have something really spicy and fast paced and sexy let me know because i'm gonna need something all right so on next week's inner uh episode we will be interviewing willow hadley and I can't wait to ask her all of our questions about the books that we talked about this week. If you have questions for Willow, you can send them to us on Instagram. I know that Ash has put a post up where you can also comment them if you don't want to send them through DM. But we would love to ask her your questions. I know that Ash also put a post up in Willow's Facebook group. So if you are a member of Willow's Facebook group, you can also add your questions under that post as well. And I did want to add that if any of our listeners are moderators or admin of reverse harem groups where 
you would allow us to advertise our podcast in your group um, because it is good exposure for authors when they're featured on our podcast. Um, we would really appreciate it if you would allow us to post in your group. So reach out to us or just approve those posts because, you know, some extra views on Kindle Unlimited could really change an author's uh, financial situation. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Smut and Spice. Please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Smut and Spice Pod. We'd love it if you would share our podcast with friends and on social media. If you have any book recommendations, send them our way. And if you're an author who's interested in appearing on an episode, reach out. We would love to have you. A special thanks to our technical producer, Andrew, and to our graphic designer, Lainey, for our amazing logo. The intro and outro music featured on Smut and Spice is District 4 by Kevin McLeod. The link and licensing information can be found in the episode description. Thank you so much for listening. Bye!